All right. Hello. Welcome to another episode of I Love Rock and Roll. I'm uh, I'm one of your hosts, Ken Krantz. And I'm also one of your hosts, Chip Chantry. And um, we have, this is a first for us, we have actual guests in the studio today, and we have actual musicians in the studio today. It's not just, uh, it's not just idiot comics talking about music today. <laughs> um, with me is um, one of my best friends, not just in comedy, but in, in real life. Um, he is a fantastic musician. He is an amazing comic. He combines the two of them together. And I tell him this all the time. He's literally the only person I hate following. Because <laughs> he's got the keyboard and he whips the crowds into a frenzy. And I don't I will follow anybody, but I hate following this guest. Uh, say hi to Chris Covert. Hello. Hello. Thank you, Ken. That was like the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Right. Well, we're trying to get guests on, so you <laughs> you want to give the appearance of, of being nice and liking them. <laughs> and also with us is um, a, a, a professional musician, a, a, I don't know if rock star is the right word. I, I don't know how... Close enough. I don't know how humble you are. <laughs> I usually use legend. <laughs> um, but we have George Cummings, who was the lead guitarist and songwriter for Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show and the Chocolate Papers. And uh, he's done a bunch of solo work and touring. Say hi to George Cummings. Hello. Uh, thank, thanks so much for, have, uh, for coming on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. I hope. <laughs> you, you now we that. put you through the ringer. This is where this is where it turns. This is where you regret coming on. No way, I can take it. So George, we do just so you know, Chip and I are uh, comedians. We're we're not like music journalists. We we our research extends to going to YouTube and looking on the internet. And, uh, as you know, everything you read on the internet is true. That's right. <laughs> so, so uh, but we're we're also huge music fans. Obviously, we we, we love music. We love rock and roll. We love, uh, as the name of our podcast says, but uh, we love all types of music. And I have to say, it started. I know since we were kids, we we love music. And I just have to start by saying this: that uh, when I was a kid, my my parents had a piano in in the living room, and on the piano was an eight track player, and with all the eight track tapes. And uh, I used to just sit there as like, you know, just a little kid and I would just plug in the eight tracks and pretend to play along on the piano. And uh, most of, I, I, a lot of those eight tracks were Dr. Hook uh, eight tracks that my parents to this day still have and still listen <laughs> to no those. Eight, they still have an eight track player. They were the, it's a new one that they found somehow. And they still listen to uh, the uh, the Dr. Hook eight tracks. They have a bunch of them. Wow. And still listen to them. So I grew up listening to it and, and love it. It's really? kind of in my DNA, I feel like. How old were you? Uh, probably about four years old. Four when years it, old. I, Dr. Hook yeah. stuff. <laughs> it was, okay. It was, it, you know, it was, it was a wild time. You know, it was, it was back, back yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah. We had some pretty nasty stuff on, on some of them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's, why, that's why Chip's a comedian now. Oh. That's right. But it was fun. It was, it was great, yeah. Yeah, I remember my dad, my dad had you guys on vinyl also. My dad was a big... Um, he liked, he loved music, but he liked 
he liked comedic music. He liked music that had a sense yeah. of humor. So a lot of his a lot mm. of his collection was um, was was music that that mm. had a comedic element. And, and a lot of your, your music obviously had that comedic element. Is that yeah. something that you that you uh, sought after? Like you, you, you enjoyed that or it, you, you just kind of we, fell into no, it? No, we were uh, just an old southern boogie band. Mm-hmm. And we ran into Shel Silverstein, <laughs> a roundabout way. Yeah. So you can uh, blame Shel Silverstein <laughs> for, <laughs> for the comedy. But uh, for, that, for that slant. But anyway, now we... Uh, we didn't say much when uh, we, we played. We just went and did our gig and, and did our songs, but uh, we got into uh, shell stuff, which of course you know is a lot deeper and, and uh, hit hit more subject matter and uh, very comedic and, right. and uh, a little bit sexual and <laughs> and the other you know I'm going down the line with uh, with uh, his intentions, but. Uh, yeah, we you know we we just trying to make it. We, yeah, you definitely could. came off as a party band. Uh, very very fun to watch. Yeah, and yeah, listen to. A lot of that was scripted, you know. <clears throat> like I said, when we were just doing our gigs before we got into the big show business, you know, we didn't we didn't move a muscle. <laughs> we sat there and played, and uh, then we got scripted into it. Falling around like like you know stone drunks and, and right. singing wacky songs, which I, it worked you know. So I guess I shouldn't be uh, too pissed off about it. Did but, you have <laughs> to do a lot of research to come off as a stone drunk? <laughs> <laughs> Not much. <laughs> I you know it's funny because. Um, I, I went down a YouTube wormhole. I've been watching a lot of you guys over the last few days, and it did look like you were having so much fun. And yeah. You, you did come well, across like a party band, but I think what what was also there was you were all really fantastic musicians. And well, thank it, you. <laughs> and I'm I'm wondering if if. You almost like? Did you feel like you got taken as seriously as you should have, as as musicians, or no? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Um, we, uh, you know, we were at, we were a bar band, uh, a club band, and, and and all of a sudden we're out there facing big crowds and and making records and things like that, and uh, we we just. Uh, was going with the flow and and doing shell songs which were which were a, a success for us uh we we were as good on stage uh as the as the, the weed that Ray saw he was smoking because <laughs> he wouldn't get out of bed <laughs> without uh, his puff or two so and uh and the rest of us you know were close to that same uh, ordeal, but but we after a while, you know, when you do the, the show so many times, and it's an active show, and, and and you're supposed to be you know moving around a lot and and partying and having fun. Uh, if if you're not having too much fun, <laughs> then you're having to fake it, 
And a lot of times, uh, you know, we, it wasn't real, but uh, I guess we could fake it enough that, that we fooled them most of the time anyway. Well, you <laughs> you came up with the name for Dr. Hook. I came up. I, I started the band. I, I assembled the band. I booked the band. I, I did all the work. Uh, got the gear. Now, how did the name come about? Well, Ray Sawyer, one of my old uh, friends from, uh, he's from Mobile, I was from Meridian, Mississippi, and he's from Mobile, Alabama. I, I met him in about 1958. He was down there doing uh, uh, frontman club work, and uh, we uh, hooked up again later on and formed this band called The Chocolate Papers. Uh, after he ha had his big wreck, he had a, had a wreck uh, and uh, knocked his eye out and uh, was wearing his patch. And we, we hooked up uh, in Biloxi, Mississippi. And uh, we, we did the, the show after the show that Jane Mansfield did when she got Got killed on the highway out there going to New Orleans Airport. The next show. And, and uh, the dude who owned uh, Gus Stevens' Supper Club uh, had had her uh, mangled car in his in one of his garages. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> and and, and uh, <laughs> he, he took us out and uh, showed us the car. So. So that was she our, wasn't in it at that point, right? That was our <laughs> no, um, <laughs> well, part of her body. I mean, part, part of her DNA was that <laughs> was splat, wow. There was splattered around. Uh, Could you imagine being that hot that somebody would want to own the car that you got killed in? Well, you know, he was he he had probably uh, the best restaurant down there. He booked a uh, name acts and and had good food. Gus Stevens' Supper Club was the name of it, and uh, but uh, we—that was our first gig with, with Ray with with the Patch, and, and uh, so we was rocking along, and, and uh, we we had uh, people, I mean, on, on the bill with us. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the good ones. The one, uh, the um, black chick that sang Tweelet, 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 Dee. Uh, oh, sure. What was her name? I, I can't think of her name, but I, I know yeah, who you're talking about. I know the song. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I was, I, was trying, I was trying to think of, of, of the guy who, who owned the uh, Fillmore East and Fillmore West, Bill. Oh, um, Bill Graham. Bill, Bill Graham, Graham yeah. man. How could I forget Bill Graham? <laughs> I've been in his office and I've talked to him and, and, and you know what I mean, been around him. But anyway, uh, the the chick uh, Baker Baker. Uh, anyway, man, uh, we were we were, we were kind of a house band there. He he hired us, but he didn't like the name. Uh, what the name? Uh, Laverne Baker. I'm sorry, Laverne to Baker. Laverne how, Baker. How could I forget Laverne <laughs> Baker? With all we did with her, but that was uh, what forty years ago. Uh, but uh, we uh, were the house band there at, uh, at Gus Stevens. And uh, then we started uh, booking out other gigs because she got us some, some better gigs 
along the way. Laverne did. And, and uh, so we, uh, something happened, Ray, no, I won't put it on Ray, but th there was uh, some people with some underage girls uh, that were living with them and uh, got, the, got the law uh, on one certain person in the band, I, I won't say who it is, but it was the guy with one eye. <laughs> but, but anyway, we 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 had our own club going uh, down in uh, Biloxi, and it was our own bosses there, and things were rocking along. And then Ray had to leave town overnight, and uh, so. That's what happened to the chocolate papers, but uh, so you had to change the whole name of the band. Uh, uh, later on, about a a year later, I I went back to to New Jersey where I had been working in '64 and '65, and I went went back up to to the uh, to the uh, nightclub scene there, and uh, I had this place called. The transfer station where where five streets met, and they had all these little joints, clubs, all with bands, about fifteen of them all playing at the same time. Uh, <laughs> it was a happening little place, but anyway, uh, had a little band going there, and we was packing them out. I was doing my old southern boogie thing, and and I said, let me let me call old, old Ray up and see what he's doing. So I might get him up here and see if we can, you know, get something going. I got him up there, and uh, then we got got Bill Francis, uh, the, the organ player, and then we got old Popeye Phillips, the drummer, and, and we started whacking it, and, and uh, we, you know, we was packing them up, and uh, their joint owner, which is the band box in Union City, uh, said, hey, I want to put a big sign out front. What? What should we call this band? I said, "Well, give me a pencil." <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wrote out "Doctor Hook and the Medicine Show," serving uh, serving soul music from the South, uh, you know, straight from the band box, Union City, and he made a big giant sign. So because of Ray's image, he was wearing that patch. Because of his, uh, you know, because he was singing most of the, of the songs, <clears throat> I, I named it after his image, and uh, I guess it worked. <laughs> and, the, and the thing about Ray wouldn't go on stage without his medicine. Yeah, Ray, yeah so. oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Doctor <laughs> and the medicine. The medicine was, you know, Ray. Ray uh, liked his medicine so much. Like I said, he didn't want to face the world unless he had morning medicine. Yeah, um, I, I can relate to that. Before, <laughs> before his feet touched the floor, it, 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 nice for the good morning medicine. I'm, wait, I'm, wait I'm, I'm not talking about mediocre, but <laughs> you know the get up and go stuff. <laughs> you know what I wanted to ask you? Did you ever at any point? So, your name, Doctor Hook, in the medicine show, and then your your lead singer has the eye patch. So everyone, I probably starts thinking, oh, that's Dr. Hook. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So at any point, did did you regret name? Like, did did you wish that you had made it more of um, like just a band sounding 
title? Or did, do, do you, do you yeah. think maybe, like, is it something that went to his head? Did Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 he, you know, later on, down the road, way down the road, whenever uh, the band kind of went in different directions and people who had personalities here and personalities, and Ray was claiming that, that, uh, that he that, that he named the band, and Dennis was claiming that he named the band. You know yeah. what I mean? They were all they were all taking uh, shares that uh, they didn't deserve. But uh, but it got into that ego trip, and I said uh, at the time I really didn't care because I had burned out on the road. I, I just did five years of, of one-nighters, and, and uh, got severe bronchitis and the doctor said hey man <laughs> you're not going to last much longer unless you change your ways and and and, and uh, get well again so i went to the, the guy who ran our band a uh, producer manager and i said look man i need a little recoup time and, and uh, he was oh man we got this big thing booked and, and in three days you got to be in there boy and give me a run around and that's that's when i jumped the slave ship but uh, the others, the others carried on, and we say regretted it later because uh, Dennis and Ray got into a, a, a pursuing each other, got into lawsuits uh, over uh, the rights of the name of the band, <laughs> which you okay, which you, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly, and, and so it it got that convoluted, and uh, it. it uh, People keep telling me, you know, you got to write a book, man, for like 30 or 40 years. And, and I'm a songwriter still trying to sell some songs. <laughs> and I'm still trying trying to write some, but I, I guess uh, maybe I should sit down and give it a shot anyway. But, yeah, well, it, I, I know the inside story, and, and as sad as it, it, it gotten, brothers and friends who, uh, who braved all those years, of one-nighters, and and, and uh, you know, I, I got bronchitis, and, and Ray got meningitis, and and Rick tells it, uh, Elsa got lung cancer. I take one of his lungs out. <laughs> it uh, it went on and on, but uh, hey, you know, that's rock and roll. If you, <laughs> oh yeah, well you're because, a, now, now when you when you started, you know, obviously you're 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 the house band and you're doing these one nighters, and then you get this bigger audience. You're playing bigger venues. Oh, did yeah. did you find your this the way your live show did that change a lot the style of your music or the way you approached it from like a small club to a to a bigger club? Did you have to approach playing differently? Uh only when we started making records and uh, and doing shell stuff. The first couple albums was uh, mainly his songs, and, mm -hmm. and and we had our own songs, uh, but. Uh, because he had at that time he had this monster hit uh, with, uh, with Johnny Cash, uh, "Boy Named Sue." Well, my daddy left home when I was three, and he didn't leave much to Ma and me. Just this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze. Now I don't blame him, cause he run and hid. But the meanest thing that he ever did was before he left, he went and named me Sue. Well, he must have thought that Yep. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, he was flying high. And I got to know Shell and uh, stayed at his place in, uh, in Manhattan on 
Houston Street, I think. It's a nice little pad there, but but uh, I got to hang out with him and, and wrote a couple of songs with him. And, and uh, of course, the other guys did too, but uh, we just, uh, yeah, we, we'd alter, you know, we, yeah, <laughs> we definitely alter our show. But like, like I said, back when we were just a, a buggy band, we just stayed pretty much in one spot and you know, nodded the head and played the legs. <laughs> but now we're running around, you know, and, and raised. Ray's jumping up and down, and, and Bill's going nuts, and, and uh, it's. Uh, by the way, have you have you read uh, the book about Shell called uh, A Boy Named Shell? No. 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 Well, it's been out for for a while, and I bought a copy of it. I read it because I'm you know was there uh, a whole bunch of it, and uh, in there somewhere. Uh, it said that uh, Dr. Hook uh, went into, you know, what, what we were in our stage show. Anyway, they said that at one part of the show, George Cummings got down on his knees and was simulating masturbation. <laughs> well, you we've all I mean? been there, George. <laughs> yeah, but this is on stage live <laughs> with a big crowd. And, and, and that was Bill Francis's gig. Well, that's that's the kind of stuff Bill oh. Francis did. Now, I didn't I didn't do too much. Well, no, I had my part where I would freak out with a, with a, with the uh, the feedback, and I'd jump off my amplifier and you know play the old wild, rock crazy uh, rock god, but. <laughs> But anyway, Bill used to run around and do old wacky stuff like that. And when I read that, man, I said, hey, all these people are going to read this book. They think that I'm the nasty character. So, so I had this friend uh, who, who was, uh, his girlfriend was a lawyer. Uh, she was a, a Japanese lady. And, and I said, look, uh, I... I want you to read this. I said, this, I didn't do this, but they implied that I did. And I said, there are going to be some people who read this and think I'm some kind of pervert. <laughs> and, and, and so I actually hired her. Uh, well, I, I, I think I only gave her $500, which I got $500 worth of nothing. But anyway, uh, we, we um, uh, she contacted Macmillan and Sons, which is one of the biggest publishing companies right. in the world and uh, you know wrote, wrote a letter and they wrote us back and, and said well we're sorry uh, we will change that in the next edition of course that was not going to be a next right. edition right. but anyway it's, it's, a, it's a nice little book about Shell's life and uh, uh, called A Boy Named Shell and I read in there where uh, Shell was worth when he died unexpectedly you know and uh Key West. Shell was worth between fifty and seventy million dollars, so he did good with his songwriting and, yeah. and, and, and his yeah he did <laughs> and his and his kids' book. You know he he wrote these books uh, for Light kids. Light the attic and the, yeah yeah when the sidewalk ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the giving yeah, oh, yeah. tree. Yeah. Oh the giving I, tree. I, but anyway, I was expecting, you know, um, Mac Miller and I'm like, like well, we got a response from him. Uh, from their lawyer, and, and I was expecting uh, Jackie was her name. Uh, I forget her last name, but but she had changed it from the Japanese. Anyway, she didn't uh, either. She didn't know how to push it, or she, but uh, it just kind of faded away. I was 
I was expecting to get some rollback yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. on my views and my, my pristine right. you know, stage name. <laughs> but, uh, Very pristine. But it, it, uh, unless I can find somebody, that, this, is, this has been about five years ago, unless I can find somebody that can, can rejuvenate the thing, <laughs> it looks like it's going to fizzle out. So I didn't uh, get anything, but, uh, but we will change that uh, in the next edition of the book. But, well, uh, so all we have to do is buy up all the books, so they, they need yeah, a second edition. That's right. So if you're listening, go buy <laughs> Shell's book. It's called A Boy a Named Shell. A Boy Named Shell. And, and it's interesting reading. It's about Shell Silverstein. It's about his life, and, and he had a hell of a life. And, and was a very talented person, you know. Uh, like I say, I, I stayed in his apartment there because he has, he's got a, a house in Key West and, and a house in San Francisco, apartment in San Francisco and, and uh, one in L.A. And I, he, he, he scored. He made it big. But that's I could his, be wrong, but wasn't there, I think I saw some videos of you performing on his houseboat. Oh, Is yeah. It, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A houseboat in Sausalito. Oh, how can I forget the houseboat? Oh man, that was one of his. That was one of his, one of his favorite places. Even though he was always complaining about about the about the smell, uh, 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 they had a bunch of other houseboats there, but they had no no plumbing, no no uh, no lines hooked up. Right. And this is in Sausalito. Sausalito Bay, man, yep. right there, you know, in the real famous part mm-hmm. of the deal. Uh, and uh, you know, yeah, there was some 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 very uh, out. Outhouse <laughs> aromas uh, uh, wafting around the area, but O'Shea loved it there, man. And uh, yeah, we he got us over to his houseboat one day, and they had a crew from Holland, I think, film crew from Holland, and uh, and we sang some songs, and you know. Shell told some jokes and we kind of bantered around and you know, did our did our thing and not as raucous as it was with our instruments on stage somewhere but but they filmed it and uh, it's still being shown somewhere some, yeah. some people it's on YouTube I saw the video it's oh really it looks, last okay night. well it looks very fun I gotta find a way you know I've, I've got uh, my dog on computer I don't use it anymore because uh, I couldn't get to my email because I had to fill out all these things and they had to send something <laughs> to my cell phone and I had to put the code back into my yeah. computer. So I just parked the damn thing. <laughs> and my wife, uh, about a year later, got me a little phone, a little iPhone, I guess. And she says, well, your, your computer, you can you can access your email on your computer. I said, wow, really? Is that complicated? <laughs> and, and I learned how to do a few things on it, but I'm still not proficient. I probably never will be. But... Uh, Somebody told me that they saw us. Uh, no, it was, it was Brad, my son. I said, hey, man, I, I, I saw this thing on, on Shell Silverstein's house. He said, hey, it was pretty funny. I said, well, ain't that what, <laughs> what we was doing? Funny, you know, was part of our gig. So, uh, you know, it's a strange world. You either learn how to go along with it. Or, or you just get pushed back to the side. <laughs> and, yeah. and somebody else figures how to work the damn computer or the cell phone or, or whatever it is. But I can, you know, uh, what I need to learn how to do, I, I got a 24-track Tascam recorder. I've had it for five years, and I've never, I, I've tried to read the manual. I've got uh, 
20 pages into the 90-page manual. <laughs> now, I've had tape recorders. I've had sound on sound recorders for years. And, but this thing is so complicated. You need a degree for this I, one. I, I've looked at it. It's I, a I, monster. I mean... We'll get Chris over there to work in the ones and twos. He'll come down and record for oh, you. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I will pay you to show me how to work that yeah, thing. That's, yeah, that's what I do professionally all the time. Fantastic, man. See, See I know See. this is going to be a good day. Yeah. <laughs> See? Well, George, the way this worked out um, that we're both here is George is my girlfriend's uncle. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't even know that. Yes. Oh. So that's how this all worked out. And um, a couple of years ago, uh, I met George for the first time, and he just came walking up the driveway with a guitar. And we just struck up a conversation and just sat down and started jamming. And he's the most humble guy. Like, he, three hours into it, he's like, oh, that reminds me of this time me and my buddy Stevie Ray Vaughan were blah, blah, blah. And, I'm like, and just said it like we're just, yeah, it was so cool. But he's got a million, a million stories. Too many. Too many. Half I of them I can't remember. <laughs> I'd like to. So I you, forgot Bill Graham's name. You believe that? <laughs> so and you, Laverne Burke's name. You all were in a movie with Dustin Hoffman. Oh, have mercy. Good old Dustin. Now, Dustin, <laughs> Dustin was a hell of a guy, man. We, uh, you know, we, uh, she all uh, has some songs in this movie. Uh, Dustin Hoffman's the next movie. Dustin was hot as a firecracker. He had just done uh, The Little Big Man and, 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 and the one where he was the... Uh, the Graduate. The bomb in the in the city. Midnight Cowboy. Oh, Midnight. Oh Cowboy. my God! See, I yeah. forgot Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm gonna have to start taking some some remembering pills. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, anyway, his next movie was a song about. I mean, it was a movie about a songwriter who uh, thought somebody was was uh, chasing him, or monitoring his phone calls, or you know, after him or something like that. Uh, and uh, now, if I can remember the name of the movie, is it, who, <laughs> who, it was definitely not one of his. Yeah, it was a long. It was a long <laughs> time. Who, who, who is Harry Kellman, right. and why is he saying That's those right. terrible yeah, right. things about me? Yeah. See, I'll never forget that because I saw what went down. I I saw uh, what was going on behind the scenes, and some of it was uh, was uh, not too positive, but. Anyway, uh, the movie had good intentions, and, and, and uh, my my uh, guitar and uh, steel guitar uh, overdub together uh, uh, were the, in the opening scene of the movie when when Dustin was jumping off this building to, to uh, commit suicide. Anyway, my my uh, guitars opened up the movie. It went from there. It was a very strange movie. Uh, 
I was there watching the film, a bunch of it, and, and we were, we filmed a spot at the Fillmore East uh, with, with Dustin uh, jumping up on stage and me handing him his guitar and he put his, put his guitar on and he was rocking along with it. But, but uh, Dustin was a, Dustin was a music major from UCLA and could play jazz piano player was uh, me and him jammed you know we, we we played together oh wow and it's hard for me to even follow him because he he knew he knew music but uh, anyway he told the mo the nastiest jokes and he always had <laughs> <laughs> he always had <laughs> the, the, I mean the real nasty like uh, how how do you jerk off a dinosaur? I said, no, how? He said, <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that, you know. He was, he was, he was a, a, a rot, and uh, he, he, he liked us because you know we were irregular. But, but he uh, uh, invited us up to his pad there when he was making the the movie in uh, Manhattan there, and we hung out with him, and, and you know he showed us. Uh, Outtakes from a lot of his films mm -hmm. and things like that, but <clears throat> well, he's a he's a trippy little guy. But now that that movie got you signed to a record deal with Columbia. Oh yes, well, old Clive Davis. Uh, we went we went up to uh, to Clive's office and uh, to meet him before we signed. And, and our producer manager Ron Hefkin says. Now you guys have got to got to act real wacky now because oh, oh, oh Clive, he's kind of in a trance. <laughs> he said uh, so. So we we started singing one of our songs, acapella, you know. And oh, Bill Francis, the same the same guy that I got accused of, you know, right. yeah. on on stage. Uh, oh, Bill Francis started jumping around, kicking like a like a cheerleader. <laughs> And old Clyde, man, you know, it shocked him. He about fell off his chair. But anyway, he said, "Wow, these guys are wacky, you know. Maybe I should sign." Maybe but he, uh, he gave us, or he gave uh, the people, Afghan, the person who was uh, controlling uh, controlling the finances, uh, the biggest deal that had been given any band until that time. He gave us, I don't know, thousands and. A million, I don't know, maybe a million. I don't know what it was, because I didn't see much of it. And what, but what year was this, George? 71, I think. Okay. And uh, so that's a, a little sketch of, of that thing. But, but the movie, you know, uh, it could have been great, but uh, I, saw, I saw people pulling against each other. Uh, uh, like, fr from our point, uh, you know, the dude running our show. Uh, when we filmed our, they they had a a scene for us to be filmed at the Fillmore East with the Grateful Dead's audience. Oh wow! Now, now so, the Grateful Dead's audience don't want to see nobody, and especially no unknown band. We, <laughs> we we took the night off from our from our little band uh, job over in Union City to uh, go and film. Uh, that scene with Dustin Hoffman. We took the night off from my gig, and and we we went over there, man. And, and uh, you know, you talking about nerve. <laughs> P 
packed house of deadheads. <laughs> a packed house of deadheads, and we're going to get out and and uh, and film this this one song. Um, Shell wrote is a song about a about a uh, drug dealer called Bunky and Lucille. <clears throat> and, uh, so, so this is in the middle of the Grateful Dead concert. They just stop it. No, this is before. <laughs> before oh, they come on. Before, oh, okay. and uh, we 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 had our. I mean, everything was set up for us. And, and, uh, and I turned around before they opened the doggone curtains, and Jerry Garcia is, is leaning on my amplifier. He got his elbow on my. <laughs> but anyway, it was just. It was just one song, and I, I knew the song. I, you know, I, I knew what I could do with it, but, but, uh, uh, and uh, Dustin Hoffman was on the front row, and he was supposed to, at a certain point in the song, he was supposed to jump up on stage, and I was supposed to hand him his guitar. Okay. Right. Well, when he did jump, he came up, and. And grabbed me by, by the balls. <laughs> really, this is true. You know, while I was handing him his guitar, I said, whoa. Really, I, I swear to God, you know what, I'm, what I mean? He, he may sue me for that. But, but, I think you could sue him for this in 2020. But it happened. Yeah. It happened. But, but anyway, we look, here's the thing. Our producer manager was scared that we weren't going to be able to do it. You know what I mean? And they wanted to, they wanted to film the thing, the sound, the picture, and everything. Get it in one shot. We got the thing in one take. We put the boogie on them. We put the boogie. When I walked off stage, Jerry Garcia looked me straight in the eye and said, Rock on, brother. Out in the rain. And don't come back till you bring me something. To put up in my vein One more ride Lucille Your man needs one more ride There's a world of sunshine Waiting for you on the other side Lucille said to Bunky You call yourself a man But you can't I said, oh, I said wow. okay, but here's what happened. Uh, this guy says he was scared we was gonna fuck it up. So, so he says, no, look, we can't do sound. We're gonna just do picture. <laughs> Always nice to have management. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> we could do books on, uh, on on that situation, but but anyway, uh, they didn't do sound. And they missed the whole damn thing. We had to go back in and try to sync up what was on the movie. Jesus. And they had the movie cut, you know, I mean, our, our stage part in different sections. And, and it didn't match up. And we were trying to redo what we'd already done. What the, even the, the dead's audience got up and gave us a hand. You know what? It had already been done. And because this guy says, no, you can't do the sound. We're going to do it later. So... That was the first big screw-up. First big screw-up. And it only got... Well, I hate to say it only got worse. You know, did, we got gold records on down the line. But anyway... Right. 
Did Dustin Hoffman come to the soundstage and grab your balls again? No, he never did. Make it authentic. <laughs> they had to sing that hey, up hey, too. Look, <laughs> look, he didn't know what what what, what this movie was going to do. And but by the way, it was not rated one of his better better movies. <laughs> But anyway, it was just something that that he did because of his person. He was a wacky little dude. You know what I mean, really? Yeah. He, he, he was a wacky dude, but but a good dude. Anyway, I, I mean, uh, it kind of shocked me uh, in front of all those people. <laughs> but but you know, I mean, rock and roll shit happens, man. What can you say? <laughs> So I wanted to ask, so you said, I, I, I dug up an old interview of yours, uh, maybe about a 20-year-old interview. Yeah. And it sounded like from reading the interview, early on, you weren't, it sounded like you were maybe faking some of your, your excitement pretty, pretty, pretty early on. But then I watched, I watched a, a clip of, um, I forget what song you were singing. It may have been Penicillin Penny. But you were singing, and then the bass player came up and jumped on you and wrapped his arms around, like had you in a headlock and was on your back while you were in the middle of singing. And I couldn't be sure, but I thought you looked pretty fucking annoyed. Really? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll send it. I don't I'll, remember that. I'll send it. I mean, it's probably 50 years old. The bass player? Yeah. The, the, he, he was the younger looking guy. In the band, the younger looking guy. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I, I don't think that was uh, Stone that I missed it. Oh, maybe that oh. was it. Maybe it I'm, was that. Well, I believe that was it. And interesting that not too long ago uh, that song came out, uh, but I got high. Yeah, because I got high. Yeah. It's the same song, just. I mean, it's not the same song, but it's the same principle. Yeah, it's yeah, the, the same, same idea. Right. I was sitting in my basement I just rolled myself a taste of something green and gold and glorious to get me through the day Then my friend yelled through the transom Grab your coat and get your hat, son There's a nut down on the corner Giving dollar bills away but I laid around a bit, and I had another hit, and I wrote myself a bomber, then I thought about my mama, then I fooled around, played around, jacked around a while, and then I got stoned, and I missed it. I got stoned, and I missed it. I got stoned, and it pulled right by the road. I got stoned, and I missed it. All right, well, I, I don't remember anything like that, because... I know the video you're talking yeah, about, and the, uh, it wasn't Ray singing that the main body of that song. It was that right, blonde-haired guy, right? Yeah, it was. Well, the, uh, the, that was. Dennis. I think it was Dennis. That yeah. wasn't Dennis. I sang, okay. I sang the uh, the version on the record, but but after I left the band, uh, I think I don't know who sang after that, but uh, I don't remember anything like that while I was singing somebody come up and <laughs> grab me from behind <laughs> you know I mean a lot of things happen crazy things happen but everyone's that. grabbing you George thankfully not not from the groin but <laughs> but uh, I'd love to check that out I'll when when after when when we're done I'll, I'll pull it up Great. for you 
because yeah. I was I was watching okay. and it was after I'd read this interview, so maybe I already had the narrative in my head. Yeah. But I was like, I I think Whatever he's annoyed. Whatever it was here. from that video, that whole set is for a couple of videos, so it was a big shoot. Mm. Whatever it was. Um. Ray in his cowboy hat. And I heard one this morning that I never heard. I didn't know Ray could yodel. He didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's one of, the, one of those medical uh, <laughs> responses. Uh, that was a part of the goofy show. You know, uh, like, uh, I can't really yodel, but I'm going to fake it. You know, and which is, which is what it was supposed to be. You know, because he he didn't know how to really yodel. A person who can yodel, you know, he's got that really you know flowing thing from from their throat. He was but, great. I mean, he did a great. He faked it amazingly. Yeah, that, well, you know, that was that was part. Uh, what what was that thing? Happy Trail. We always ended with the, the Roy Rogers Happy, Happy Trail, Trails, which yep. is pretty gimpy. But uh, it's, it's strange. A lot of that stuff was super strange <laughs> to me what was going on while I was doing it. And when I look back at it, you know, it's, it's still, uh, I guess it's, if it's funny and, and people like it, uh, some people like it, See, some most, people didn't. Most of us and, are. And especially some of those topics that you were talking about, did you get a lot of blowback then from getting in trouble for the, your shows or what you were singing about? You know, you come into a town, did, did, did that bother people at all? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we we got warned a couple of times, you know, that, that no profanity and uh, no obscene gestures and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember where it was, but somewhere in the, deep down in the Delta or in, in the in the Louisiana Bayou or South Texas. Yeah, we were we were warned a, a couple of times before. Usually the the producer, I mean, uh, the, the guy who booked the show. Would come in and, and, and say something, but usually they they didn't say anything. Just let us do what, what we were supposed to do. I guess mm-hmm. if if there's enough people out there paying, they probably didn't care if they made yeah. money off of it. I I went back and read. So you guys had one of your big hits was on the cover of Rolling Stone. Well, I, yeah, I was second. Biggest one was Sylvia's mother. Right. Yeah. And it got you on the cover of Rolling Stone. So I, I went they back. Got, I went back. But they even what I thought. I maybe I just read too much into it. They put a character, a caricature. Of yeah, your band okay, on the, you're right. Did that bother you that it wasn't a band photo? Was did did you feel like even uh, still not being taken seriously? Yeah, well. <laughs> It made us look, it look like, uh, well, you know, Ray was the one out front, would say, had the biggest uh, picture, uh, and, and Dennis was kind of lurking in, in, in the background, and, and they put either me or, or, or Bill uh, on there. It was only three three people. Yeah, it, it sort of did, but, uh, you know, at that point, I had gotten to where I didn't care. You know, I didn't give a damn, because I, I knew that... Uh, you know what it was uh, was going to be uh, whatever people interpreted. So what the hell? But uh, we uh, we just uh, plodded on, man. We got we did so many gigs, you know, so many one one nighters. I say that uh, sickness finally hit the band, and uh, I had to take a long vacation <laughs> because yeah. of my bronchitis and. And then, then Ray got sick, and Rick got cancer, and, 
and uh, but uh, you know that's that's part of it. Uh, that old, that old music scene has killed a lot of young people, <laughs> young rich people. You know, that in the height of their fame. When you, when you think about the wrecks and 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 dying from the drugs and things like that, it's uh, it's a risky business. I'm thankful that I got a little taste of it. Uh, uh, the taste that I got, right? You know, was was a little bit bitter, and, and a lot of it I had to spit out. But uh, I'm trying to uh, carry on in the best I can. <laughs> was it was it hard seeing the band like the band that you started and named? Was it tough seeing them carry on without you and and still to well, a degree of success? I, I, I'd gotten so sick with that bronchitis I couldn't breathe. And, yeah. and uh, see, I uh, I was a college athlete. I, I played. Uh, I got a football scholarship at uh, uh, Alabama College. Uh, Livingston University, and and you know what I mean. I I, I waited, and I, I got up lifting weights and and uh, training and all. Uh, got up over two hundred pounds, and, and I've always been thin, and, and but I, I built myself up and uh, to be an athlete, and I still played a, a little guitar, but uh, when I got on the road, man, I just I, I got down and I was skinning. <laughs> I was a rattling skeleton. And I weighed about 130, you know. And uh, when, when I had, when I got that bronchitis, and, and I knew that uh, I was in for some serious, serious uh, product ahead. And I, I had a little young baby. I, I had a son there of a, a few months old, and, and we just got a house out there in California. And uh, I, you know, I didn't want to leave because. Uh, the guy wasn't paying us, you know, and I was hoping that sooner or later, uh, I, we, we had two gold records or maybe another gold record. Right. We'd get some gold out of it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, I just, uh, it took me a while to get rid of that, that bronchitis. You know? And some of, the, some of the guys you were bunking with, they all smoked cigarettes, right? And you didn't. You we, were, we were on the road with... Uh, Three rotors and, and seven band members. We uh, ten, ten people, and two of us didn't smoke. <laughs> Me and Rick, we, we didn't smoke, but everybody else did, which meant that every dressing room or, or every rental car or every place that, that you could light up. <laughs> it was, Back then, you could light you know up everywhere. I mean? yeah. It was a second, third, and fourth hand, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the way. Well, the two people who didn't smoke, I got bronchitis and almost died. Rick got lung cancer and had to take one of his lungs. <laughs> he, he wasn't a smoker. Oh, he wasn't wow. a smoker. See, you guys should have smoked. Oh, well, we were smoking. We were smoking enough. We Rick. Rick always had his had his bone with him. Yeah. And I I know that old bone. I looked at it one time. I thought I saw you know mold. I thought I saw some some critters down there in that bone. <laughs> and but um, but we all we all smoke you know a lot of weed. You but, were telling me on the drive up that uh, you used to get some weed from Dr. John. Oh man, old Dr. John. Oh, got it. You was in the right place. <laughs> that must have been the wrong bong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, Dr. John, you know, uh, we, we did some shows with him. And I, I met him when, when he, before he was famous and, and he was playing with his New Orleans bands, would come up to my hometown, would do uh, gigs, you know, for 
various reasons. Uh, we had the teaks and the, the demolays and people like that. They come up and hold dances. And they, they, they hire these New Orleans players because they had that old New Orleans thing. You right. know? And, and anyway, old, 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 uh, his name was Mac Ravenack back mm-hmm. then. And uh, they, they'd come up there with a with old, good old funky New Orleans thing. And, and, and uh, me and old, well, I called him Mac back then. But but anyway, uh, I, I'd ask him, you know, we'd talk you know, about songwriting, about music. And, and you know, that's it back to where he got famous. And uh, then... Uh, when there was two doctors out there, and, and he, he, you say, "Goddamn man, what the hell is doctor looking at? What who's Sylvia's mother? What the hell going on?" He's everybody asking me for Sylvia's mother. I don't do no Sylvia's mother. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but we'd always hit him up for. For good weed, because we had some, but but he had the New Orleans, yeah, and, the New Orleans strain, the voodoo, and he said, "You something just always asking me for weed. You never give me nothing. I'm always giving you some of my stuff." You know? <laughs> well, he had the better weed. Why would you give him <laughs> shittier weed? Right? Yeah. Oh man, he was he was one of the originals, you know. Uh, I got old 45 records from from his stuff back back in the 50s, you know, when he's playing guitar only. Uh, yeah, man, he's one one of the originals, and I'm so so happy, so proud of him and what he did later on. It's so sad that uh, he's he's gone. But, yeah, he just uh, he just passed away pretty recently, right? Uh, in the last year, so it was during COVID. Yeah, the, yeah, no, no, or maybe it was right before before that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, one of my other good friends, I, I don't know if y'all remember, uh, this great guitar player, had a big monster hit, uh, instrumental hit of uh, Memphis back in the 60s. Lonnie Mack, you ever heard of? I've heard, yeah, I've heard uh, that. Yeah. Lonnie yeah. Mack. Man, this, this guy was <coughs> a great guitar player, a great soul singer, and uh, one, of the, one of the best I've ever seen him sit around with. But I, I got to know him. Uh, really good. I, I met him in uh, Biloxi. He, he was looking for a drummer, and a, a friend of mine was uh, driving him around Biloxi looking for a good drummer for, for Lonnie's new band. But anyway, I was living in a little trailer. This is after I, I left the hook thing, and I, I'd moved from California back to Mississippi. I was down in, in Biloxi living in this trailer with my wife and, and my little new son. Well, my, no, my son's about two or three. But uh, anyway, old Lonnie Mack, you know, I, I, I had his records, man. And, and, and back when he had that monster hit, everybody was trying to trying to figure out what he was doing with that whammy bar, you know. Wow, he had a sound that nobody else had. And uh, he influenced a lot of people, a lot of people. Clapton and, and, and all them top players, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. Lonnie was his number one man. And, and and uh anyway i met to see he, he uh he came to my trailer and at that time man he was big <laughs> he said right and stepped on my trailer stepped inside my trailer and my trailer went like this <laughs> 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 but uh we we sat there and talked about it and and, and i i was i was trying to get rid of that that dog on bronchitis and uh but I, I had a couple of songs, and I, 
I played him this song that I'd written called The Gumbo Man. And over the line, really like, it started from there, but I met him again up in Nashville. And uh, we hung out, you know, and played, jammed some. And uh, he, uh, uh, Brooks and Dunn had a song that they copied from one of Lonnie's songs. They did this gig together, and, and uh, they heard the song from Lonnie. So they wrote a song exactly like, like this music, but they put different words to it. <laughs> well, that's, that's Chris's whole career. Well, <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah, literally. Well, uh, Lonnie, uh, being Lonnie, you know, he's pretty astute when it comes to, uh, to music and business and things. Because he, he was a, he, he was a band leader from when he was fourteen years old. Wow! Wow! wow. He was he, he was leading guys twice his age, even more than twice his age. Because he was that, that good that far back. He's from he's from Southern Indiana, but anyway, uh, we got a chance to hang out, and he loved fishing back then, and so we go fishing, and and, and you know, and uh, you know, I pick up a few licks off of him, but uh, anyway, uh, off of the song, uh, it took them a while, but they got they got uh, I think a, a half a million dollars off of Brooks and Dunn. Uh, because they, they they hired this this guy a musicologist that that did the note by note by note yeah and and, and they said and they they took it to court and they won their suit right okay nice baby okay Lonnie Lonnie wrote the wrote the song but but he said that the other two guys that were on it with him he said well hell they were just they were in the room when I wrote it so <laughs> so he put their name on there so they got a piece of it too. And they they both came up. I think uh, the lawyer got almost half of it. Of course. And and and, and the other three guys split the other. Well, Lonnie came up with almost a hundred grand. I think I think he came up with ninety ninety grand. And he bought him a beautiful place uh, out uh, east of Nashville. <clears throat> beautiful had a a nice log house, um, three bedroom log house built on uh, these rolling beautiful green hills out, you know, peaceful and quiet and only one near neighbor and uh, maybe two near neighbors, but but it was special. <clears throat> and I'd go out there and hell, I'd stay a day or two or three or four or a week or two. <laughs> and uh, I had a little, uh, a little raucous with my family one time and <clears throat> it was decided that I needed a long vacation. So I, so I, <laughs> so I went and spent about two months with Lonnie. Right, exactly. and, and man, we, you know, it was music and, and the song could, could play all styles, Merle Travis, you know, and Lonnie Mack and Stevie Ray and, and anybody style, you know, the, the old blues and, and stuff. But he's one of the best, uh, I, I hate to use the word white soul singers. But he, he he had the most soulful voice of anybody I've ever heard, and uh, he had a, a hit record on the radio back uh, a while, uh, and, and he was going around to the radio stations pushing, you know, and, and he started going to these black stations uh, because they were playing his record. They were right. They were playing uh, uh, where there's a will, there's a way. They were playing his records until Lonnie showed up, and they saw he was white. Okay, <laughs> right? They took it off. Wow! And and, and, and uh, Lonnie, you know, he's he's a universal cat, but 
but I, I could tell that that affected him. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like every yeah. every black section that he went to, uh, you know. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who? You don't sound. You don't sound white. Uh, they uh, they kind of gave him the brush off, and, and uh, it was still a, a, a semi hit, but it, it wasn't as good as if they really got behind it, like they like they had been doing it. Right. They just took it off. But uh, anyway, from from then on, uh, I would say that it, that he was, uh, you know. Uh, uh, racial or uh, whatever the uh, the term is, but uh, he still sang. He still sang that R and B stuff. Uh, listen to his records, man. But Stevie Ray loved his ass, man. I mean, Stevie Ray copied him and uh, dedicated his first album to him. And uh, when, it, when when Lonnie got really sick, uh, did some benefits for him out in Texas, helped oh, wow. him. It helped him stay alive, but uh, we would go to uh, where he lived in, in Tennessee, uh, outside of McMinnville, about 80 miles east of Nashville. We had a, a friend who owned a, a nightclub, and uh, old Jack Holland, good old Jack, man, a great, great guitar player, had a really hot band with his own, own club there, and, and uh, he would you cook up some cornbread and a big old pot of beans. You know what I mean? People come in there, they they can listen to music and get order their beer and, and whatever and, and eat bean cornbread. And uh, me and old Lottie would go in there on, on Sunday night and they had uh, the old uh, karaoke. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and, and uh, you know what I mean? They uh, People were getting up singing and, and they had a, a couple of Rolling Stones on that thing. And, and and they kept getting me, want me to get up there and sing cover. I said, man, I, I don't do that. I said, he said I, I only sang one verse on that old glow freaky old lady verse. I said, I, I don't do that. And he said, no, man, come on. So I one <laughs> one night I had enough beer, so I got up there and I sang it. You know, everybody did. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and the next week they, they got me up there again. And, and I said, man, I'm I'm tired of doing it. Damn thing, I've been I did it around the world about a thousand times. So the next night, the next time we went in, I, I, I went back. I, I was staying with Lonnie. I went back and I said, let me jazz this thing up. So I wrote an X-rated version of the cover of the Rolling Stones. And I'm I've heard it. And it's super X-rated. <laughs> I said, I'm going to make them some. Just stop asking me to sing it. I mean, it was so na- it was so nasty that I said everybody's going to walk out, and then they're going to see he don't want to sing that song no more. Yeah, but then they want that's what so they want. So I got up there, man, and that's what the, you know. Uh, when when time came from, they said, "Okay, George, it's it's your turn." I said, "No," I said, "You know," and, and, and I got up there and I did that X-rated version. And of course, old Uncle Lonnie and a bunch of old bar people—they loved it. And, yeah. and, and some of those girls out there in the audience who was who were dancers, you know, and and, and they would get up there and they would sing that little witty ditty. I've heard it; it's absolutely amazing. But, and I'd, I'd love to record it and but, put it in my act. But, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. We, we can do that. But anyway, uh, you know. Every time they would say, I, I, they'd say, okay, George, we want to cover the Rolling Stones. I said, you want to 
X-rated version or the double X-rated version? <laughs> we want the double. Every time. So, now, I'd, so I'd give them the old nasty stuff, man. I mean, it was raunchy. Now, but, I'd get up there and they, <laughs> they would love it every time. It was amazing. But Babette was telling me this morning that um, back in the day, and I don't know, she didn't give me a year or anything, but you used to fiddle around with some speakers in the in the garage or whatever with a with an old fella named Hartley Peavy. Oh man. Me and Hartley y'all know Peavy? Peavy Electronics? Peavy amplifiers. That, like, oh, yeah. That, yeah. That's my hometown buddy. I, really? I helped him in his in his father's basement knock together his his first uh very first versions of his amplifiers. Really? I was there in yeah, 1961. I was there uh, with Hartley, and, and uh, he was learning. He was learning the guitar, and, and I was playing in, in some club. You know, I was playing around and had a little band out in some clubs somewhere. And I was showing a few things. And of course, Hartley's father owned the music store there, and and uh, you know he had a, Hartley always had a, a really really nice car, and you know you dressed better than anybody else. And <laughs> and, and we used to go water skiing together. Back up the in Alabama, back up the Black Warrior River, and, and we'd bring a a case of beer and some sandwiches, and we'd water ski all day long. You know, it's an alligator slalom. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, you know, we we do the regular double double ski. I mean, two 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 skis, and, and I saw these people on TV. They were skiing on one one ski, and I said, "Well, we've got to try that." So, so I managed. I, I managed to uh, do that. What you do if, if you you go along with uh, one ski on, on on each foot, and uh, you hit a certain speed, and you and you slowly pull your foot out of one, and you slip it to the back of the other, and you maintain your, your balance, and boom, you're on one ski, and you can zip, <laughs> you, know, you can really zip. And I said, Harley, you ain't can do that, but you can't check your email. I said, I said. <laughs> <laughs> I can check an email. Huh? That's that I can do, but see, all the other complicated stuff, you know, like like figure out how to work my twenty-four track uh, test cam recorder. That I can't do. Anyway, uh, I said hardly ain't nothing to it. I showed him how to do it, and man, he you know he he try, he, he's, he he he's got he's got kind of red orange hair. He's, he's that 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 complexion. And uh, every time he would try that, oh man, he would hit face first. And, <laughs> and you're going about, I don't know, 25 miles an hour or something, and whap! Every time he'd try it, he would bust his ass. And he'd come up in his, <laughs> in his old, usually pink face was uh, like cherry red, you know? <laughs> And uh, anyway, he never did get up on that one ski, but. But we had fun. But man. he figured out how to build amplifiers, hey, so I guess the universe balances out. Let me tell you out. something. Let me tell you something. Uh, I left. Uh, I, I left Meridian and, and uh, went to visit my sister in Washington D.C. And, and she got me a room at the Y at, at uh, in in Manhattan. I've never been to New York, and I wanted to see it. And boy, did I see it! And, and uh, uh, while I was there. You know, I met some people, and one thing led to another, and I wound up in a little band, and, and uh, you know, I had a little thing going, and, and I, I, I played for about two years, and got kind of burned out, went back down south. I went back to 
to Meridian, where Hall, he had just got his amplifier thing off the ground. He, he was bidding on like a one, two amps a week, you know, handmade. Hand and uh, and uh, he said, George, won't you, won't you stay, here, stay here and help me build these amps? You know, he offered me a job, you know, and very start of his empire, which he had an empire for a while. Yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, I had a thing, you know, I had, had a club thing going up there. You know, I was, Lord, I was, I was, I was meeting these, North, these, these girls, man. They didn't, never seen no Mississippi guy, you know. I mean, it seemed to have helped. And <laughs> uh, the girl getting department, and, and uh, you know, we was we were playing. You know, I was playing guitar. In fact, I was playing a guitar, a Gibson Les Paul that Hartley repainted and reshaped. I was playing my old white uh, Les Paul in the clubs there, and. and uh, that's when I got Ray Sawyer at that same time. Uh, th- this was the second time I, I went back after I told Hartley that uh, I wanted, wanted to go back up to the band and, and uh, chase, the, chase the lovelies. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I'd have stayed with Hartley, you know what I mean? I, I'd probably be a millionaire too, just like him, but, but I didn't. I went back and chased the music, and uh, the music led me. You on got, down the path. You got to do what you love. <laughs> Absolutely. You love. On down the hard, rocky road. Do you remember uh first time you heard one of your songs on the radio? I certainly do. It's always been my dream to be riding down the street in the car and hear uh, a song, you know, that, yeah. that I was on or that I'd written or, or a record or that, that you know, I played on or that. We had. Yes, I did. It was in Houston, Texas. It was our it was uh, our first uh, Silver's mother our first hit, mm-hmm. and, and I heard my little slide guitar on mm-hmm. there. You know, I, we we were uh, in, in the middle of Houston. Uh, I forget what we were doing, going to a gig or a rehearsal or something. Anyway, man, <laughs> the song came on. I said, "Wow," you know, and uh, it was it was a semi thrill. I mean, you know. Uh, I sang some background, uh, some background voices on that song. Mm-hmm. Oh man! And I, I played the lap, the lap still licks on it, but it wasn't, wasn't like uh, my voice or you know my song. Or but, it's, but it was you. But it well, yeah, was part yeah, of the thing. Like so, yeah, I, I achieved uh, you know a dream that I had had for a long time. You know, and, uh, and since then, I've heard other, you know things that. I've heard oh penicillin penny she's a queen. That's <laughs> all <the> weird stuff. <laughs> I've heard I've heard that over the radio and uh, and uh, I've got songs, man. That I just need to. I got it. Uh, me and old Jack Holland down in, in, in Tennessee. Uh, we got a, a quarter of an album cut before the, the pandemic came in. I didn't want to travel. My wife was worried about me bringing something back, so I, sure. so I had to stay stuck in there and where we live in, uh, and where we live, Tom's River. That's Tom's River. Yeah. <laughs> well, you were in Bayonne for many, many years. You were Too Bayonne. many. Oh man. Oh, yeah. oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Bayonne is uh, my uh, my my parents own a business in Bayonne. I, yeah, I work. This is I not about in. you, Ken. I'm, yeah. no, I'm <laughs> connecting with the man. Hey, man. I you know I, I had 
great good friends in Bayonne. Yeah, yeah. it's it's an interesting town. It's, it's a very it's, interesting it's an town. interesting town stuck in a time warp. There's there's <laughs> well, people in Bayonne who have never left Bayonne. Uh, yes. They're they're like, oh, have you ever been to you know like Staten Island? Or like, it's like ten minutes away. Like, oh, no, yeah. they've never left Bayonne. <laughs> no, I, no. There's there's jokes. Chick, there's jokes on the honeymooners that they did in the 50s that they make about Bayonne uh-huh. that still hold up. Like, the jokes are still as accurate in 2021 as they were in the 50s. I got uh-huh. This is a little great. off topic. Mm-hmm. I did a show in Bayonne about a month ago. Yeah. Go outside for having a cigarette, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. A guy with a bagpipe in full, full dress. Yeah. Just I hear him faintly in the distance. Just comes marching up this by himself, mm-hmm. playing the bagpipe. Yep. No icon. He just walks right by me. I'm I'm going. Is that a ghost? Like I I thought it was a ghost. Yeah, like a six <laughs> like a six sense. The weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah. I go in and I tell like I met some locals there. I'm like I just saw the weirdest thing. Some guy. I explained the story. They're like, you saw the bagpipe guy. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a thing. Yeah. They you had, can find him online. Yeah. They they had a guy who was. Um, I'm George. I'm sure you know exactly what I'm. Talking. They had a guy that would just drive an oldies van around that blasted Elvis yeah, yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just no, the, uh, no idea uh-huh. why, but he drove a van with like an Elvis head on the roof. I think, and then Elvis, <laughs> and he would just. And he would just come driving down the street, blasting "Love Me Tender," and it was like it was like 2015, and it was just like, "Oh, it's Bayonne, so this makes sense." Back on topic, yeah. one one other story Babette told me: um, you know, George is Southern Baptist. His parents Southern Baptist. Oh man, I was a long time ago. I heard that um, I'm a Southern exclusive. I heard your father <laughs> made your mother. Um, darken out the dirty words on something uh like maybe it was an album cover that they wanted to uh post or or, or hang up or something and he made her go in with a, well, a marker and cover up all the dirty words well, our big uh <laughs> rolling stone uh cover there where uh, the big story on the band every, everything yeah about uh Ray saw you uh, having sex with chickens and, 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 uh, <laughs> and uh, well, in his defense, he had one eye, so maybe yeah, he couldn't yeah. see that. Well, this is before <laughs> before the one eye. This is when he had he had two eyes and still yeah. half a brain. Did you see but, him without the patch? He definitely lost his eye. Oh, heck yeah! <laughs> uh, th- let me tell you a, a little story. You know, Ray R- Ray was a good soul singer. But he got into trying to sing. I mean, Dennis was a a better singer, but but, but Ray was a, a, a Wilson Pickett type ah, singer. And but he he got into trying to sing other stuff, and he just couldn't cut it. So Dennis took took most of the accolades for for the singing. But uh, Ray uh, was uh, and what was I going to say? His iPad. His eye patch, yeah, thank you. Uh, he he was doing this show, uh, he was on this show with uh, with Jerry Lee Lewis. Ray had a band, this is back for a hook, uh, and right, right after he got his eye knocked out. And uh, anyway, uh, they were backstage, and uh, 
Oh, Jerry Lee came up to him and, and said, said, hey, man, what, what's that phony damn patch for? He said, why the hell you need that, man? You, you, you got a pretty good voice. Thought it was a gimmick. What, 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 do you, what do you need a gimmick like that for? And old, old Ray just lifted up his patch and showed him that old... <laughs> Showed him that old purple, that old purple sunken hole where, where his eye used to be, and it was ugly, man. It was ugly, and, and he put it in old Jerry Lee's face. <laughs> he didn't say a word. <laughs> he shook Jerry, his nerves and he rattled his brain. <laughs> and old Jerry Lee said, "Oh, oh, oh, man, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." <laughs> he almost started crying. <laughs> And you ain't hard to get Jerry to cry, you know. <laughs> That's funny. He's still alive, you know that? Yeah. I just watched, they just did, I don't know if it was an 85th or 90th. They did a, there was a big thing online where they had a birthday concert for, like a Zoom concert, because it was yeah. during COVID. Oh, wow. And I hung on to watch because Keith Richards was performing. And I watched for two hours of Zoom uh, tributes. Mm. To watch Keith Richards sit down at a piano and sing three bars of Happy Birthday. Oh, that was the entire. No. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Jerry Lee, uh, back when he was down, we, we were we were uh, the Chocolate Papers uh, uh, and Gus Stevens Supper Club there. <clears throat> and Jerry Lee was playing uh, a gig in Biloxi uh, with a with a with his band but but his his regular drummer didn't show up or, or he got a, a drummer that didn't cut it and, and so he came to uh to Gus Stevens and and we were playing uh back in the lounge and he was pissed off because of his show you know didn't make it or I don't know if he got paid or what the deal was he was bitching he, and we at, at the time uh bought these uh Collar thing, what would they call them? Where you got the dickies? Well, no, some kind of Nero, Nero, whatever. Like a Nero jacket. It was something like that back then. We had, you know, some fancy damn Spanish cloth, you know, shiny stuff, and the whole band bosses. We were the band dressed like a band. And and they were playing, we were on a break, and they were playing. The music, the hit music of the time, you know, the top 40. And Jerry Lee was sitting there grumbling. He said, Listen to that shit, man. That's the worst <laughs> shit in the world. You know what I mean? And, and, and I was sitting at, at the same table with him, you know, and because uh, I knew his good drummer, Russell Smith, and and he, and he was bitching about everything about the, about the drummer. And I, and I said, Jerry, man, why don't you, you get old Russell Smith? And he looked at me, and he didn't even know that I knew Russell Smith, but but I did. And, and uh, but uh, that didn't stop him, you know. Another song come in. Ah, damn man, I can't listen. You know what I mean? He was bitching about everything. But uh, I found out about a week later that uh, Russell Smith was back in the band, and they were they were doing they were doing Jerry Lee like they used to do, you know. So maybe I. Maybe I helped old Russell. Oh, Russell was was uh, married to this chick who had who had five young girls. They five five girls. I don't know if any of them were were, uh, were here. They probably were, but anyway, he needed a gig, you know. <laughs> he he was five, five uh, 
young young kids there, but uh, that's another old Jerry Lee. He was a pretty raucous dude in his own right. But anyway, he, you know, uh, somebody from Nashville said, hey, he keeps marrying these, these, these younger girls, and they all keep thinking, hey, if, if he kicks off, we're going to get a you know, nice yeah. piece of pie. He said, <laughs> and then they all wind up dying. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> what I mean, he outlives them all. <laughs> and he's about 90 years old now, I think. He, he's, yeah. he's getting on up there. But no, I mean, I know I have a lot of cousins. This <laughs> 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 is just a never-ending pool, really. He only married one cousin. All right. It's tied with Rudy Giuliani. (laughs) 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 So, Ray, uh, George, um, I uh, so I watched an interview. I'm I'm happy to see that you're that you're that you're laughing through a lot of this because (laughs) yeah, it feels like a laugh or cry situation. Yeah, it is. Like I I watched um, or I listened to. I found an old interview with. Um, uh, Ray and Dennis. Oh yeah. And I guess it was not long after you'd left the band, but they were just giving the whole history of the band, and there was yeah. there was no mention of it. it was oh, like, guess what? It was like they'd whitewashed they you from white- your own history. Me. They, they even took credit for what I did. Right. You know what? I did all the work, all the uh, initial uh, startup stuff. I did it all while they were asleep. You know, and, and getting up for the for the morning uh, joint. I'd already been up for a few hours doing band stuff. Getting getting. To, we we had this house in Guttenberg, New Jersey, and you know, uh, we had you know, things that needed for you know heaters and stuff like that, and uh, and stuff for the band. And I I took care of everything. And booked the gigs and and paid everybody. Uh, we split everything. I I promise you, every single thing was, was split equal. five ways. Equal, yeah, it was split five ways. Uh, even though I, I I worked five times harder than anybody mm-hmm. else to try to keep the thing alive, and, and I, because I knew that that if a little luck and and, and that if we stayed with it, I mean, there were nice. You know, when it, when it was good, and then we was playing clubs like uh, mostly around Union City, but uh, you know we packing people in there, and, and we had fans, a lot of fans. In fact, some of those fans, uh, after we started making records, you know, would come up to me and and say, "Man, what happened to your band?" <laughs> like I, the like the sound that we had, you know, with our club thing, just us playing, was not on those records. They went through this, the other, it went through his head, and and, and his um, manipulations, and because uh, he was going for lyric, and we were going for sound yeah. and lyric, but. Right. Look, you can always look back and say, hey, you know, this could have been better, or we could have done it this way, but, uh, oh, well. I read, I read. Dream on, baby, <laughs> dream on. I read in, uh, I read in this old interview you done, you said there was only one song in the Dr. Hook catalog that you were ever really happy with, that you ever thought really represented your playing, and it was uh, Cookie and Lila. Cookie and Lila. 
Cookie and Lila. Wow. Do you, do you remember? I remember. <laughs> well, this, 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 this interview was about 20 years old. No that, kidding. That I read. You said that they thought they mixed your steel guitar. It was the first time you said that oh, it had well, been properly mixed. Well, no, there was one little, there was a, another song where, where they gave me a, a pretty good little splices, a song called, oh, a silver scene song called, called Sing Me a Rainbow. <laughs> that that was uh, one that, that, uh, that I felt like was pretty balanced, but you know, somebody else was doing the mixing. You know, I, I, you always in your own head. You're just one part of the band, and, and I I was on the far left hand side. Uh, you know, I always uh, my station was uh, far left, and uh, and uh, you, you can always nitpick, I guess. But uh, I was looking for that old soul, that old nightclub boogie <laughs> stuff we was doing. That's what I was, uh, what I thought we were, but uh, you know we did what we thought we had to do, and we did it, and there it is. <laughs> Let it shine. George is amazing on the lap steel. Ah um, oh, man, that that yeah. one sound. Uh, I don't know if you. What was that song? Uh, Sleepwalker. Uh, Sleepwalk. Santo uh, and Johnny. Santo and Johnny. One of my right? favorite that, songs that of all time. We, we jammed that, and it oh, sounds man. like. I mean, I'm, I hold my own on the piano, but when he, I mean, oh, you could. Man, what? It's amazing. Me, me, and a friend, uh, a friend of mine, Daryl Vincent, who's not with us anymore, a great little dude, had a hit song. He was 14 years old when he cut his first record uh, from. Uh, Sandy Records in uh, Mobile, Alabama, but he's from Meridian, Mississippi. But anyway, him and I got I got a gig in this honky tonk in Carthage, Mississippi. It was about eighty miles up from Meridian, and we would drive, you know, uh, up there on, on the weekends. And it was a, it was a, way out in the woods, and you know, Mississippi the Delta stuff. <laughs> it was dark as a dungeon, and we was in the middle of this, of this drive here and listening to the radio. And they and uh, this jockey put on put on a uh, sleepwalk, and man, I'd never heard nothing like that in my life. And I said, "Wow, what the hell is that?" So I went to went to the record store the next day. I said, "Hey, please, please get me a copy of Sleepwalk," and they did. They they got it in because it became a hit. Yeah, uh, this is fifties, man. This is in, this is fifties or early sixties. But that was. Uh, Had you played the lap steel prior to that? I, I play every day, not very much, not not like you play when when the pressure's on, right? And, and you need to concentrate but I, more. But I mean, before you heard the song, oh, um, were, uh, uh, did you play it? No, did you have no. Uh, Hartley Peavy loaned me a Gibson lap steel. Did you give it back? No. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly loaned me his lap steel because he didn't want to mess with it. He didn't know what it was. I kept it in my car, in my car for a couple of years. And, and uh, one day I was in the, in the, in the music store and, and I saw one of these, these Stevens bars. It's, it's a bar with a little notch on the top we put your finger on. And I bought that thing and I started messing around with it. Now we were, we, we just uh, started at, uh, at Gus Stevens, and during the afternoon when nobody was there, I would take this thing, I would, I would go in there, and I found this minor chord tuning, you know what I mean, where I could uh, get, and, and there was a, a, a Doors record by old Marson 
uh, singing, I can't see your face in my mind. Remember that one by, mm -hmm. by, by Jim Morrison? Anyway, with my minor tuning, I got a few licks into that thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I got old Bill Francis to work up the words and sing it. Then I started playing that uh, Jim Morrison, I can't see your face in my mind, on my little lap still. And I started from there because I changed tunings and got into a different thing later on. But I was on the road in my in my room and we couldn't bring stuff. You know, they packed up stuff and, and they put it in the trucks. And, and I could bring that little lap still, you know, with me because it was only like that. Mm -hmm. I, could, I could take it on the plane. And I, I had this black case for it, and it looked like a gun. <laughs> I, I walk on, <laughs> walk on a plane with this lap still, and, and people would say, "What the hell is that?" And it looked like a weapon. But I, I would take the thing with me, and uh, in, in the off hours when, when we had, you know, maybe a night off or something, I'd work on the damn thing, and and sure enough, it it, it wound up uh, in that old. Uh, Dustin Hoffman movie on the song called uh, The Last Morning. Yeah. Uh, I played that. Uh, that. That was one of the one of the ones that, that came out pretty good because that's one of the first first things that we cut. And and Dustin was in in the studio when we recorded that first version of it in in, in Manhattan. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, I didn't know a thing about it. I didn't have no instruction book, but. Uh, they put my, my picture in this slide book of, of, of me next to old Jerry Garcia. They put my, my picture of, of me playing my little lap steel. I got it from my, it's in my garage, uh, lost in those boxes. <laughs> I got to find it. <laughs> it's one of my claims to fame. You know, me, and, uh, it was a... Uh, you went to, and isn't... It was a book uh, of uh, how to play, how to play the... Uh, Finger style uh, thing like oh uh, what's his name uh, from the uh, Alvin Brothers? Correct. Dwayne Alvin. Dwayne. It's uh he he was he was on the the cover, but on on the back cover it's it's me and uh, Jerry Garcia and somebody else. They put a picture of wow. me in, in the damn book, you know, and. and uh, yeah, I thought. Did you know, know that, that that they were using your picture? You no, just walking I, through the. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know. The, I didn't know the picture was was taken. It was, I had old long ass hair. And, and, By the way, I love your hair. I'm well, so jealous. Hey man. <laughs> they wouldn't let me in the barbershop, so I said, "Screw them," you know. I'll just tear them to death from now on. But uh, I got it. It's too much trouble with all this old crazy hair. But but anyway. Uh, the old hair was down in my eyes, and I'm looking down at the lap steel, and I had oh, some kind of old hippie shirt on. It. Was that the picture with you masturbating on stage? <laughs> no, there was no, there was no picture of that. <laughs> only a Man, wrong, people are just putting you in books, George. Only a uh, total misquote uh, by this guy giving the information to the person who wrote the the shelves. Uh, right, shelves. Uh, there was a girl who wrote that book. I forgot. I forgot her name, but uh, we actually got a re response uh, from Macmillan, and I was looking for him to pay me yeah. for for uh, corruption, my good name. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so Macmillan, if you're listening, send George money, yeah, Dustin send Hoffman, me. unless you want to get me too. Well, 
<laughs> send George money. The amplifier guy, you probably owe yeah. George some money. Yeah. But it's it does sound if if I had to guess, um, you probably when you're a kid in Mississippi and, and you're listening to blues music, you're listening to the Hank Williams show on the oh, radio. Oh, hell, um, yeah, no, in, in, in the 40s. In a million years, did you think you'd accomplish what you accomplished? It, it had to have surpassed no, every uh, wild dream. I was hoping. See, I, I, I love sports. I was I was looking for, for baseball glory mm-hmm. first, and I played football and baseball. I played football... Uh, I got went got through college on a football scholarship, and I I played baseball in the off season. I, I really wanted to be a professional athlete, but uh, I tried out for for the Yankees, but uh, didn't quite get there. But you know, I could I could go back home and play my guitar and weep. <laughs> 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 And so it just it it carried on, you know, and all the years uh, in between, you know, in, in the gig, old, you know, joints, gigs that weren't good, and and the fights and the killings and and, and all the stuff that that I've that I've seen uh, in, in my day, uh, I just uh, I'm, I'm thankful, you know, that the spirits kept me alive and kept me. Uh, semi-sane and uh, and in the position you know I've got an album that I'm working on down in Tennessee with my buddy Jack Holland and uh, who's a great musician who cooks great cornbread and beans (laughs) (laughs) and but we sold his club (laughs) so so, uh, we can't go hang out in old Jack's by by the way he named it Jack's the same name of the club but I miss Lonnie Mack. Lonnie Mack's gone. Uh, we, we had a, a benefit for him in Indiana a couple of months ago. His daughter put it on, and so I went over there. And uh, I saw an amazing guitar player uh, who was a, uh, a fan of, uh, of Lonnie's. Uh, the, the little dude uh, got up there and just, I mean, it's a bunch of bands of Lonnie's old players. The place was packed out. was a, uh, a Lonnie Mack tribute. You know, and uh, outside of uh, outside of Cincinnati, but it's, it was in Indiana. And uh, anyway, this this little dude, I can remember his damn name. Uh, I can't right now, but maybe tomorrow I will. Phone it in for the edit. <clears throat> Man, but to be able to, to make it in this. Industry. I mean, we we only know of the comic industry, but yeah. I can I can only imagine what it's like to have a hit record, just like when we write a hit fart joke. Uh, <laughs> 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 hey, did you, have, do you any- have a Do you have a favorite? place to play like was there was ever a favorite location like you're, you're talking about being mississippi you're obviously in new york new jersey area out in la you know of course you went abroad did you have that place that that you really felt like that was where you were at your best or that you enjoyed the most oh i probably do we did so many hundreds I, i'd have to 
You've I, often I, talked about Germany. I'd like, have like to roll back the old mineral roller decks and times. <laughs> yep. oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, let me think. Some that resonate more than others. Uh, well, yeah, that was a, a place that, uh, in my hometown called the Skyview Supper Club. It was up on a up on the, the very top of, of the highest hill in our hometown there, off of Highway 45 South, and it was it was unique. Uh, like the guy who owned it he had a had a crap table in the back, and they served food, and they had a had a bar, and, and then you, you walk in into the uh, the music area, uh, and, and and then from there you walked out into an outdoor uh, deck uh, with a table and, and chairs that were uh, in, in in the outdoor part. You know, mm-hmm. they had uh, a little area where we, in in the, in the summertime you could we uh, could go sit outdoors and. Uh, and listen to the band, and or you could sit indoors, right, right through the, the door there. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's, uh, the Skyview Supper Club, which is now a, a big, giant uh, church, they knocked it all down. They built this big, super uh, church. I forget the denomination, but but they got a, they may even have a big band, you know, a big church band. Yeah, that they play. You know, it's you know, it's a heavy duty thing, but the Skyview Supper Club was a, was a special place, and that's, that's one. Now, I know there are places on, on the road, you know, famous places that we played that I really enjoyed. It, it would take me a while to to zero it down. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Do you do you remember what the what the biggest crowd you ever played for was? How many people? Oh, we did this thing. Somewhere in Jersey, they were opening up a new mall, and uh, it was supposed to have been a hundred, like a hundred and twenty thousand people there. Uh, oh wow! It, it was us, and it had two or three other acts: uh, Harry Chapin and uh, oh wow, and uh, there was uh, and and uh, R and B. I mean, it was God. Uh, there were some more, you know, people. Uh, of a high repute uh, on the bill, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, people can go, go forever. You know, you could you could look out there. Uh, yeah, that's probably the biggest. It was outdoor thing. So. Wow. Yeah. And now indoor. See, we you know what I mean? Uh, we were kind of an exclusive band. We, we didn't draw everybody. You know what I mean? We, we didn't. We didn't draw. Well, a hundred thousand is respectable, and I, I can speak for myself because yeah, well, I did a parking lot gig a couple months ago, and there was fifteen people there, and I was well, like, "Wow, double digits, this baby!" Is, this is probably for the opening. They opened up this this big this big mall complex. It's, mm-hmm. It was in Jersey somewhere. I can't remember exactly where it was, but uh, you know, they half of them probably came just to check out the the venue. And, and, you know, of course, it was music there, too, but uh, that's probably the biggest, that's wild. the most people that I've looked out on, you know, as far as Dr. Hook, you know, if if we could fill an auditorium, we were probably doing good. Oh, sure. <clears throat> you know. Look, if we could <laughs> fill auditoriums, we'd die happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we have to, uh, I think we have to wrap this up. But, um, George, thank you so much for coming on. I, hey, I, man, I enjoyed it. I hope you, you know? had fun. 
Yeah, it's been well, a pleasure. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. Hey, man, without a doubt, you know, it's, it's good to get to share uh, good things with good people. And uh, I'm looking forward to you. Going to you going to play this thing where I can hear it? <laughs> well, we're sending it to your email, so probably not. That's right. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah. please. My, my little phone. Like I, don't even, I don't even care about that thing. I'll, I'll get it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, That's we'll all I've Chris got is this little phone. I don't even turn that computer on. I'll more. have Chris put it on an 8-track and we'll... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can, you'll you'll know, be able to play it on your phone. We'll have Chris get it I to know you. you're going to uh, get in there and edit it. <laughs> no, we're, we're just, we're just going to put some clips of your music in. That's it. We're, we're oh, not, we're hey, not, you do anything yeah. you want to do, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm footloose and fancy free. You know, I'm, I'm just rocking... Rolling right along. <laughs> yeah. And uh, whatever. I, I'm just uh, keep on uh, looking for, uh, hoping for hope. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. You hang with us. We'll make you famous, George. Don't worry yeah. about it. Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about anything, really, except, uh, you know, uh, what I'm going to be doing uh, Ten years from now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, I'm not worried about that at all. But um, hey, I enjoyed it, guys. Really. Yeah. Well, thank uh, you so much for coming on, Chris. You know, thank you. Oh, thank you for yeah, having thanks, me. Chris. Nice to meet you, yeah. Chip. And thank you for. We'll we'll have we'll definitely have you we'll have you back on. Love for, to be yeah. back. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, plug it. I am gonna be at Piero's on the 19th. Piero's in Union Beach. Uh, tickets are on sale at Eventbrite. Uh, it's a dinner show. Kevin Israel is on that one. It's oh, a great show. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Oh, Kevin. For sure. All right. Chip, you got anything? Or? Uh, anybody listening down south, I'll be at uh, Good Nights in Raleigh, North Carolina, on the 25th and 26th. Nice. All right. Yeah. Hey, we didn't do my X-rated version of the cover of the Rolling Stone. Uh, well, oh, I'm uh, gonna get well, them. A, well, if, if, you, if, if you want, if you want to do it, we can close out with it. Absolutely. <laughs> no, no, really? we're, absolutely. We gotta really? record. Of no, course. No, 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 no. He says no. How bad is it if I, he I says think no? We'll, I think Mike and Ming will burst through the door and start unplugging <laughs> stuff. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> we'll get a recording it's to up you. It's up to you. Shell Steven wrote it, and I enhanced it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, get a, we'll get a recording. We'll 100%. get you, we'll get you yeah, a have to record it. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I will give you royalties when I use it on stage. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remain fully uh, anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And uh, Chip, you're on vacation next week, so I, I yes. don't think there will be a new episode, but we'll, we'll yeah, see so you in a couple we'll of weeks. We'll see everybody soon. All right. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you.